Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. On today's episode, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Neil Anderson, and Neil is the owner and operator of Paradoxical Performance, LLC. It is a coaching business that helps people learn about and use tools and strategies to reach optimal performance or flow states on a more consistent basis. And Neil is a really great person to sit down and have this conversation with, which is why I picked him out of anybody that I knew, uh, because he knows a lot about the subject through a lot of years of postgraduate study, as well as experience. He is a former athlete where he went to not only the University of New Hampshire, but as well as Merrimack College. While at University of New Hampshire and at Merrimack College, he was part of the men's lacrosse teams. And during his career, he scored upwards of 97 goals. He also was part of the former Major League Lacrosse organization and played professionally for both the Boston Cannons and Denver Outlaws. He has also spent time as uh, head coach of Curry College and currently now as the men's head lacrosse coach at Norwich University. And he spent some time assisting Merrimack during his postgraduate days. And Coach Anderson is a really great person uh, in general. As you'll see, his his charisma really shines through in this conversation. Uh, but so does his knowledge and his perspective and wisdom on how we can reach some of these optimal states that we're all looking for in order to just make our lives a little bit better. So if you've been curious about how you can use tools and strategies to optimize your life and create more optimal performance and flow state on a consistent basis, look no further than this podcast. And before we get into the conversation, we'll just have a quick word from our sponsors. This conference will now be recorded. All right. And as promised, folks, here we have Coach Neil Anderson of the Norwich University men's lacrosse team. Uh, Coach, how are you today? I don't know. How am I? You, you tell me, Coach. You got to tell me. That's why I asked the question. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty, I don't know. So how's that sound? That, you know, that's I, I feel you on that. We don't always know. Um, so that's that's an okay answer. I, I totally can understand that perspective of not not really knowing because I don't know yeah. if anybody truly knows. So let's keep it real, all right, James? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so first I just just for some people that might not have a whole background, uh, if you don't mind maybe telling us a little bit about what you're doing now um, and kind of how you got to where you are today. What was your path? Uh, You know, as, as stated, you are the the Norwich men's lacrosse coach, um, but that's not the only aspect of who you are as a person. So kind of talk to us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Well, I, I'm uh, pretending to be the men's lacrosse coach, right? Just doing the best I can with the uh, the, the job I, I kind of landed on. Uh, and, you know, I just fake it till you make it, right? And so far, so good. So they kept me around. Uh, yeah, I think I'm moonlighting as a, uh, as a performance coach. And that really came out of my performances uh, as an athlete and playing growing up. I like to play. You know, it's about uh, seeing patterns and executing and moving your body and having a good time while you do it. And then also knowing the challenges and um, tribulations that go into play. Like you learn a ton about yourself, but you learn a ton about your teammates and your opponents. And so that's the conversation I'd love to have um, because it's a moving target and it's always changing. It's such a dynamic conversation because we change, they change, it changes it all. You know, it's, it's such a fickle right? Uh, experience. So when, uh, when things line up for me um, to peak experience, those flow states, um, you know, I think back to when the pressure was uh, perceived as high through college games, but yet my experience of it was just bliss, like fun. And so how do we, that's really how I found a passion for performance where you can get into these transcendent experiences Um, through traditionally uh, places where other other people can't um, really take advantage of that because of the pressure, right? So how do we get out of our own way? How do we let something else come through? And so that's where uh, the quick and dirty of it, Jim, is like, that's what I like talking about. 
is how do we help others arrive at a performance state they never thought they could get to? And then, you know, the byproducts of such a cool performance state is like you feel invincible and, you know, you're winning games and sinking buckets and you don't even you don't care about that. You're just like, no, let's just keep this experience going. And so I think that's how uh, things married into where I am now and looking at about 20 plus years postgraduate work of just kind of dipping and diving into different coaching positions. And, you know, coaching isn't just with the whistle around your neck. I I do think that uh, there's a tremendous amount of value to have a life coach or a performance coach in the corporate business, teaching, education, you name it is so applicable. And to have these type of conversations is really so valuable in anybody's life. So there's the the quick and dirty for you there, Jimmy. No, that's that's fantastic, and, and this is a big reason why I brought you on. And you've actually instilled a lot of that in, in me and my pursuit of you know trying to be the best version of myself and how can I optimize my own individual performance in in different areas of my life. You know, not only when I was an athlete, um, you know, in high school as well as at Norwich, uh, but now in my in my career fields of of being an educator coach and I would agree that there are a lot of uh, crossovers so to say in terms of really making sure that we're not only at our best but again understanding how can we get there right and then trying to instill those tools within others so and you talked a little bit about um, you know some of the experiences that you had as an athlete Um, so maybe could you could you maybe explain one of those Scenarios. I know you. You had this. You. You and I. I know we've had this conversation about that. That specific game when you were um, playing at Merrimack College. Uh, I know that really kind of comes forward in terms of a transcendent flow state experience for you. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that. And it. And it was it that specific, or maybe other experiences that you've had that made you want to learn more about optimal performance and flow state. Yeah, uh, great question. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And um, <clears throat> for anybody out there that is listening, um, you know, I, I won't belabor the point. I, I just kind of would rather reframe it and say, imagine where you are on a team, um, you know, if you have these experiences or, don't, or not. And I had the fortunate pleasure to, to be around um, some very talented people. And in a number of different ways. But that first experience that, that you're talking about, Jimmy, um, at Merrimack was when the, I could find ways to take the pressure off. And we had every reason not to win a game because of injuries. And I got shifted around to a different position. And, and basically, it's just like, well, let's go give it our best effort because on paper, we shouldn't win this game. So just think about that context. You can now have freedom. It's not a game that you're supposed to win, so there's freedom in there, right? So uh, during the course of that game, I found myself, even on the first shot, I kind of knew I was going to be the focal point for our team to do a lot of things. And that first shot, I turned the corner and it almost felt a little too easy, and I whistled the shot wide. And uh, when I heard, when I whistled the shot wide, it, it just kind of clicked to me, like, oh, did you not try to score it? Yeah, you kind of felt like you were just – not giving it a hundred percent effort, but it felt kind of effortless. And then I heard the reaction of the crowd for the first time. And I do remember that pretty powerful. And it was just like a collective, oh, like so close. And I was like, whoa, there's people like out there watching. So that was like all of a sudden, I, I from what I remember, and this is years ago, I something yeah. clicked. I'm not gonna miss another shot. And it just gave myself permission. And then I was just unstoppable for the next uh, three plus quarters. And it it it, it kind of was a fun experience because I was able to kind of, I was staying in it um, without trying. And I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And that became the barometer upon which I wanted to get back to. And I used uh, uh, visualization and meditation um, to get into that day, um, not purposely, but that was just some of the tools in my toolbox. And then I continued to use visualization and, and uh, mental training to replicate that experience. Um, but that experience was probably the first one that that will, you know, that, that's the one that stands out to me as, as yep, that's what got it going. And I was able to replicate it a couple times uh, later in that season, the season after, and then that was how I made those professional rosters. That was really the training camps. I used them as opportunities because the pressure was off. Like I wasn't going to make those teams. I shouldn't make those teams. I mean, there's four time all division one and you're like, yeah, these guys are way better than me, but somehow, some way, man, you just kind of create these experiences where the coach is like, you can't ignore this guy. He's a scrapper. He makes stuff happen. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll, I'll give you this one other perspective that I wasn't even aware of. Um, yeah. Billy Dan- 
Billy Day was a, a goaltender um, from North Carolina, and he uh, um, he became the coach for the Cannons. But I played with him for a season as a goalie. So he was a goalie, and so um, you know, a, a, again, a buddy of mine. When he became the coach, uh, our, our roles changed, and and uh, he gave me a little more perspective. But it wasn't until years later that I was presenting in front of a uh, uh, Sodexo International Global Corporation that uh, the guy who got me the gig, and it was about performance, I was, I was, I was uh, professing on, let's put it that way, presenting on. And the guy said, you know, I, I, Neil doesn't know this, and he's introducing me. He goes, Neil doesn't know this, but I know Billy Dale very well. And I asked Billy for a reference on Neil, perspective on Neil. And so I'm caught off guard. I'm in front of the Sodexo with all these elite executives. And uh-huh. he goes, Billy says of Neil that he wasn't the most talented guy on the field, but he was the guy that made the most use of his talent mm. that he had. And so that I was just like, Okay, is that an insult? <laughs> no, yep. but it got, yeah, and now, like, after that, event, I chuckled, I laughed it off. I was like, Yeah, probably very true. I don't know. I, I do think it, it there's an it, people have talent, of course, but it's not like having think about the people that you do know are very talented, don't go very far with their talents. And then compare the people who, you know, don't seem like they're very talented, but they need somehow go further than the rest. And I think that's how, like, I got involved with the grit conversation is because you're trying to figure out what is it about people that will allow them um, to uh, accomplish more and whatever you want to define accomplishment. And right. yeah, is a key. It gets you to the door, but yep. you've got to be willing to face down fear barriers and imagine the people with talent, right? Like you're a talented guy, but at some point your talent is is not going to be enough and so the people who define themselves as talented when you get into that situation where it's not enough do you stick around or you do go find a different situation where your talent is enough yeah so that's like so for me i turned that insult the way at first i was like that's insulting you know then i all of a sudden i became like no like that defines who i was i of course was in a more talented arena but i still played and excelled in it and that's that's like yeah that's that's what I do I I like to put myself in places that I don't belong. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't know yeah. why I don't like it. you know it's addicting. <laughs> yeah, well, well, it goes back to some of the the points that you mentioned there with um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like that if we were to to define like optimization, right? It's it's reaching a, a pinnacle of what you can be of that potential, right? Nobody knows what the potential is. But there are often a lot of things that are in the way, whether it's whether it's any any physical barriers, any any mental barriers, or sometimes even uh, lack of motivation, perhaps, and and maybe even within the the context of the environment. You know, if we're thinking of it in a, in an athletic field, you know, you were talking about the experience where you were like turning the corner, you missed the shot, but you were saying, oh, like well. It was like too easy to turn the corner, and because it was too easy, you know, maybe did you mentally check out a little bit when you took that shot? I don't know, but there's that potential that that might have been the case, and it and it makes you think. Um, and the the gentleman, the uh, the psychologist, uh, I had to double check the pronunciation, but who first started bringing the flow conversation into the world of science, uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. He was he talked about how specifically there needs to be a certain level of challenge. And if that challenge is not there, can you actually reach your optimal uh, state of mind? And not even just that, but optimal state of being? I'm not really sure because there needs to be that stretch. There needs to be that that challenge in front of you in order to then kind of dig through. And like you were talking about where that's where grit also is involved um, as well. And I just yeah. think that that, that idea of you know if we want to reach some of these more optimal states we do need to challenge ourselves but more specifically like let's not also like you were even saying where you kind of gave yourself permission to just play freely and not necessarily have too much expectation on it because then that is again what going back to something that you always would talk about when I was playing for you was interference right and I, and I use that so much in, in um <laughs> In my conversations with people is that the the pressure that we put on ourselves right it is i think personally is is the biggest form of interference that we face potentially um but it all depends upon the the conversation that you're having within your own head but the more yeah. that the more that we can navigate that 
interference. And again, it, it, whether it's the conversation we're having, the challenges we're facing, uh, the more likely it is that that we can then kind of reach those optimal states that we're looking for. Yeah. Hey, and you articulated so many great points right there. And I'll just double down for the sake of your audience. Yeah, to say the the uh, so so Ching set me high is is uh, um, been a hot topic for uh, God ever since he he published papers and you're starting to see some of his unpublished work come out now too about transcendence. Scott Kaufman wrote a great book uh, not that long ago, um, and even uh, um, like Stephen Kotler rises Superman. Yeah, uh, that's your guy. Yep, stealing fire. Uh, a lot of the Kotler's now uh, his work now they're they're talking about transcendent technologies, and this is all based upon basically those experiences of flow, and then how do we get out of our own way, eliminate interference, and so one of the the, the, the tricks of the trade for for the audience. I know this is kind of like, all right, if you're going to help coach people to get into a transcendent experience, that 4% challenge increase is really the, the one I come back to. Um, and I don't want you to get stuck in terms of like, oh, this is a rigid framework. No, this is just right. try this out, right? Understand where your current skill set is. And then how do you engineer an experience that's just above your pay grade, just above that skill set, just above it, right? 4%. What a crazy little number. 4%. What does 4% mean? It means whatever the heck you want it to mean. It just means just a little bit more than your current. So if you dial a challenge that's above your skill set, like way above, you're not going to find that flow. But if you dial, uh, you find a skill a challenge that is below your skill set, you're not going to find that flow. So the, the ability to start to become more self-aware. And then as a coach, what I try to do, and I'm still, you know, I don't think there's ever going to be a person that's great at it, even though that's a limiting concept too. But what I try to do is to look at, you know, here's Jimmy Warden, where's his current skill set? And then how do I help tweak his goals so that he's creating a challenge that's just above his pay grade, just a tiny bit above his skill set. So that way, if we can remember that challenge, he goes in and tries to fire upon it. And when he fires upon it, he feels different. He feels like confidence through the roof. And we always say confidence is king, right? So how do we get, help players gain confidence? Well, it's to find challenges that are just above their skill set and let them walk through. And when they walk through and experience it, something changes. And then what's, what's Kotler's work is really cool about is once you get into that path of confidence building, guess what happens to your skill sets? They explode. <laughs> And then you're like, whoa, I need another 4% challenge that's above my new current skill set. And right. that's, that's how you eventually start to get into these optimal states is like over time, you find mastery. Uh, and that's, I think you, you have so many great athletes that are in a master, have mastered, um, uh, you know, they, however you want to define it. Like if you just see beautiful stuff going on on the courts or on the fields, you know, how do they get there? Well, chances are, chances are, it's not just talent. They were right. able to find experiences that push their skill sets and their confidence to new levels. And that's what we're talking about is engineering and coaching um, people and others, the normal people, right? The less than, you know, the people that have talent, but maybe probably not the same talent level as a, a Messi or something like that, right? But still trying to allow them to experience transcendence. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I love the fact that you brought up the, the statistic though of like 4%. Because it even that made me think of actually um, Vygotsky, because I think in the zone of proximal development, because people, I don't know, it's interesting because now that we're even having this conversation, I feel like there are some parallels and this could probably be even another podcast in and of itself, but like, you know, between the zone and flow state, you know, are they the same? Are there some differences? But it makes me think of um, that because that 4% is what I like to think of in, in more of a layman's terms, right? The just right challenge. Right. Because if, it, if it's too challenging, as you said, you're just going to crumble and fold because you're not there yet. Right. And then if it's too easy, you're just you're in cruise control and there's, there's no challenge. And therefore, you're not really optimizing everything that you could be. But it makes me think of that, because if if we as people right within whether it's our daily lives or even like if we're looking through the lens of an athlete. Right. And we're, we're, we do want to constantly and, and society is constantly kind of pushing us forward and saying, you know, what's next? What's next? And what's more like what else can we do? But I think oftentimes we we get a little clouded in the sense that we think, oh, like I have to make this huge jump. Right. But it's finding, like you said, kind of that that sweet spot of, oh, this is where I need to be in order to optimize, at least for the the short term, because if I continue on that trajectory, then that's where you have the explosion, 
as you mm. were saying, in terms of, you know, really, um, we'll say exponentially increasing your capabilities. Yeah, yeah. So uh, here's here's where I want to tie a couple concepts together. I'll make a quick point. All right. Yeah. Big cat, right? the big cat. I'm talking to the big cat. Right. And we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll, I'll see how different nicknames I can use for you today. But everyone has a little context and fun and play. But, yeah. you know, yeah. what I- what I've always loved about uh, Mr. Warden is that, you know, you're an educator through and through. And, you know, when you're, when you're coaching or in the classroom, um, I quickly pivot back to like, how do I treat my own kids? How do I work with yeah. you? You know, and that, that's, that's a passion of mine, you know, I, of course, college athletes and adult development. Um, but, you know, I'm most naturally uh, uh, present and aware and flowy with kids. And it's just because they are, they want it. They reinforce it. They're just like, dude, you're being too much of an adult. And you're like, you're right. I suck. Yeah. It's too rigid. It's I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I, I don't have enough play in the system. Right. And so yeah. that's the thing I, I know and love. And so um, the, the opportunity I think um, really lies in the approach and the approach. If you're working with kids if we can model curiosity, I get, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen next. Do you, you know? And that's like, what are you, you're supposed to know. You're the teacher. You're like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. We're doing this together. Right. Like that, that's learning instead of professing or telling, you know, and, but there's, there's points to that structure. We have to be able to create a, a two-way conversation, but I think what children really lean in on is the journey together. And when we can reframe conversations to be curious together. Um, and uh, I think of like Rachel Carson, the environmentalist, and she has a great essay journal essay. And she talks about um, a sense of wonder. That's the title of this photo essay, sense of wonder. And she would bring a sense of wonder into natural places that she naturally had. And she brought along a grandson or a, a, a no, not a grandson, a, a nephew. And because she was able to share curiosity, authentic mm-hmm. curiosity, her nephew, I believe it was her nephew, also was curious. And because of his curiosity, he was able to retain the information she was just espousing, right? And at such a young age, he was able to do presentations, slideshows of the natural world as if Rachel herself was doing them. And people would be like, did, how, did you, how did you teach your, your nephew all this incredible stuff about environmental? And she's like, I didn't teach him anything. She, he was right. just to like be coming with me. And I liked having him because he, she, she was a, he was a partner in curiosity with me. So I think of those examples as really the approach that we want to have with the groups that we're working with is if I come and just try to engineer and architect experiences, um, you know, I'm going to lose something. We're going to lose something. And so the source that we're trying to tap into is a transcendent source. It's beyond the ego or beyond what we think it is. Like that's, you know, I don't want to go too far off the rails, but like, that's the addicting part. Yeah, like, no. yeah, well, is there something else? Yeah. You're like, you're like, oh, there's these senses are only picking up so much. How do I fry open that aperture of awareness? So I become aware and embody or allow something else to come through. And then you get to watch it happen. And you're like, that's flow. You're like, whoa, I didn't even think I could do that. Like sticking corners and like, you're like, whoa, holy crud, that's the, like, well, let's keep going that goal, right? But as soon as you start to try to do it, you've screwed it. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. So that's the fickleness is like, yep. I, I've got reminders. Like I point to my tattoo on my wrist and that's, that's the, the reminder I had like through my glove was to say, hey, cool, you scored, let it go. Don't control it, don't let it dictate, right? Oh, you missed a shot, let it go. Like, get curious about what's going to happen next. Don't overlay the expectations that it is going to happen next or something isn't going to happen next. How do you stay present? So curiosity, also the ability to have these conversations to say, you know, what are, uh, what are the, the limitations that we're imposing on ourselves? And if we get more aware of the limitations, like control is the master addiction. Yes. I'll say it Control is the master addiction. We all are trying to funnel this experience into these little boxes to say, oh, let me just control it so I feel more better about myself. I feel like safe, right? I feel safe. And what I'm attempting to at least put into the conversation is perhaps that is like the really difficult way to get into flow. And maybe the easier way to get into flow is to start to to have less control, have more curiosity. When people say, hey, how are you doing today? You give them an honest answer and be like, dude, I 
I don't know. It's not a canned answer. Let me just check in in the very moment and be like, I don't know. Like, how do I feel? Right. Take it as a real honest question. And so that's the honesty and in, in, in the momentness that I think we all are trying to get back into. And so my last point, and then I'll get off my little microphone tyrant is like, <laughs> when, we show, when we show up for others, as for children, for peers, for adults, whatever, I think the way that we teach and people learn is through modeling. So if Jimmy shows up and he's coaching within the zone, he's coaching from a flow state, everybody picks up on it. They're like, oh, he's unconsciously, like I can see it. He's unconsciously giving permission to, to, to be in the same mind state of curiosity let's go let's let's dial this in let's absolutely take advantage of this thing but let's not put too many restrictions on it so that we don't experience something new and that'll be my last last point is when was the last time somebody asked you like hey what did you really do new today what did you try new right so take the four percent challenge and be like well did did, did you try something just above your skill set and almost chances are you're going to get like a zero percent return rate on that question and that, but at least it, it starts to, hey, kids, like, what is something that you did new today? Now, the real answer, though, Jim, too, is like, everything's new. So you're always doing something new, but we're just not aware of the possibilities that it in the newness. And so I get curious and say, like, hey, we're showing up to play lacrosse today. Am I going to see anything new today? And that's where you're just like, let's drive conversations from a newness perspective. Like, what? let's, I want to see something we haven't never seen on the lacrosse field before. How cool of an opportunity would that be? Like, oh my God, mind blown. That just happened. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, it's great because, then it, it, like you said, everything really is, you know, it, all we have is, is this present moment, you know, and, and people might, people might say it's hokey. People might say it's wonky or corny, whatever. Right. But, but the only thing that truly exists is right here, right now. Right. And so with that being said, you know, you might be in in habits, you might be in routines. And like you were saying with the asking if somebody does something new, they might say no, but essentially that's wrong. Right. Their answer is actually wrong. It's like, yeah, you might be doing the same thing. Like you might be, oh, eating your breakfast at 8 a.m. Again, you might be eating two eggs, a couple slices of bacon on a English muffin, whatever it is. Right. It doesn't matter. But does. And, and then it and if we if we think and again, just using that quick example, but. But have you ever had that specific muffin? No. Like, have you ever had that specific breakfast sandwich on that? No. Like, you've had a similar one before, but there are different elements to it because it's a different experience in and of itself. And and it's so interesting, right, that we we think of it's almost like each day is it's the more that we that we move on in life. It's almost like every day is like gra- like Groundhog's Day, right, with Bill Murray, and, yeah. and it's like lather rinse repeat i'm just gonna, gonna do the same thing over and over again and then it, it just leads to turmoil and and, and and distress and like and just yeah. like a almost like a, a sense of a little bit like and depending upon again who you are and and your we'll say emotional well-being but and i don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole but like a little bit of a sense of like a nihilism and and like not thinking anything is going to change yeah. um, you brought up you brought up so many good points there in terms of you know, what, what we can try to, you know, do. Um, and we'll kind of, we'll segue into that in a little bit in terms of some of the other tools uh, to prime and prepare the mind and body. I know we kind of talked about the curiosity. You better be careful your next line of questioning too, because like you said, there's, there's rabbit holes and there's black holes. So, yeah. you know, if uh, I don't know, I don't know where you want to go with this podcast, but I think you, I could also tell you that uh, um, uh, a lot of my, uh, favorite work is, um, and I, I've done this a couple different ways uh, with with different varying, depending on where people are in their development system. And, and yeah. I think that the most the most common question I'll get, and I, I apologize for for hijacking the microphone without being asked a question. No, no you're fine. You're the guest. That's what you're here for. <laughs> is uh, uh, so the most common question is people are looking for. Um, I'm going to use the word talent, but I think it's just um, differentiators. The people 
or, or perspectives that will help drive performance or um, uh, uh, a different state of being. And that, 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 that perspective comes from a lot of corporate settings. So people want talent, quote unquote talent in their organization or just people that are, are influencing in the right way to drive performance. So when you think about that in a corporate setting, that, that's big bucks talent, uh, headhunting, um, talent acquisition, uh, development, you know, that, that's a lot of money. And that's, I think, how Kotler started really getting getting some of these big, he's talking about transcendence and why big business are, are investing in transcendent states, because it allows people to think outside the box and see innovation um, and make efficiency uh, challenges, right? They're starting to think about how do we get people to work at their best, Let's take away distractions, this will allow them so the real point here, Jim, is for, for me is, like you said, when you show up and you have the same thing every day, it's not that you might not, you might not need to change what you're, what you're physically doing. Right. A change that we're looking for is a change in perspective. And the yeah. term that we use in like sports psychology is a reframe. We're going to reframe what's ordinary. We're going to raise our awareness to actually see like, oh, we're just going through emotions. Well, we stop going through motions. We become more aware uh, of the potential of the situation. And so some of the cues that I said are black holes instead of rabbit holes is to really start to step into like a psychotic point of view. And that's the, the conversation not everybody likes to go to because yeah. it is a really interesting, uh, I think this is a natural part. I think like, I'm not going to tell you it is, but I think it's a, a natural part of uh, our development that is, is is a big blind spot. We don't see this as a potential. The paradox is that we are trying to operate in a, a world that we know so little about, but yet we're trying to control it so we know more about it. And the thing that we never really take into consideration, but it has been taken into consideration over and over and over again, is that when we're now trying to lay systems for performance on top of a world, we always start with the assumption that there is a world. And then what happens when you don't start with that assumption? You say there is no world. Now, what happens is that if you can look through the perception of there is no external experience except for an illusion, you are now performing as if it were real. And now think about the fear barrier that prevents you to step into that experience. But now imagine walking through that fear barrier and actually having the experience that you're performing in a dream. Now, do you think you're going to have the same fears? You think I mean, you have limitations. I mean, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's very true in that sense of the the change and the and the reframe, right? Because I think a lot of what prevents people from optimizing, and you know, whether it's an athlete, whether it's somebody in the corporate world, whomever it might be, is like you said, the the limitation and and the fear that they put on the experience based on their understanding of you know what should be. Right. I talk. you were talking about, we talked a little bit earlier about like, you know, what could happen? Like, I don't know. There's that fear of the potential. So that's why I think a lot of us try to control everything so much. But when you have too many, too many control, uh, controlled variables, right. On whatever it might be, it doesn't allow for anything new to manifest. And I, and I think that that's where, um, you know, this flow state really occurs. And, and that's why it's also very fickle and fleeting is because there's that you need that novelty you need that newness and experience uh but yet if you're just drawing upon what the only like what you know it's like it's like the the adage of like do you want to go with the devil you know or the devil you don't know right and people like to fall back on the devil that they know because that's comfortable right it's comfortable and it's like well it sucks but i know it sucks and that's okay but if you go with the devil you don't know like it will it suck more I don't know maybe it will no. for a little bit, but yeah. that'll be okay because maybe eventually potentially it could do to something greater yeah that's some really powerful insights and jim that's what i, I totally appreciate about you i mean it's like you're like an old soul like you know trying to like oh dude i got this young body and brain still developing but i know this shit i'm sorry i know this stuff right i know oh, this stuff. Not, okay i'll just i'll just i'll just ex i'll tag the <laughs> okay you can swear <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so again like i i think like my contribution to my experience is trying to be as authentic and honest as I can. And I'm not going to tell you, I know anything. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to tell, I'm going to give you my honesty. Right. And so uh, a lot of things have lined up in my world. Like I said, when, when you think about flow states, 
things line up for you in a flow state. You're just like, you're seeing things as they happen, but perhaps you just don't know what's happening. And you're like, this is why it's easy is because I know this guy's sliding and this ball, you know, and like, oh, let me just see what, oh yeah, yeah, of course it went to the top corner. Like it, you're just, you can't explain it. It's just happening. So what if that potential state is our potential? And like, we always are like, oh, we got to get there. We got to get there. And you're like, well, dude, you're always there. You're just forgetting the potential. Right. And that's the, the, the reframe. So when you think of like, uh, um, like Socrates and Plato, like some of these old, they have a really cool lens too. And Plato would often say like his allegory of the cave was, was developed as a story, right. To help other people understand, um, you know, potentiality. Hey, you're just looking at shadows on a wall and people are like, no, you're, what are you talking about? Just looking at shadows on the wall. And he's like, well, just take for consideration what you think is reality is shadows, projections on a wall. Right. And they're like, well, okay. And then he's like, now imagine someone came in, a prisoner broke free, came in and told you like what you're seeing is just shadows on the wall, you're a prisoner, and that there's a whole nother thing out there. You're going to kill that guy. You're going to be like, no, I want to keep my shadows on the wall. Right. So that's a really neat allegory. I won't get too far into details, but that's the kind of interesting part that you have to take into consideration is why do we put up these limitations in front of us? You know, what are we protecting? And that's a radical reframe then saying like, this is normal and we're trying to get to something abnormal when perhaps what we're experiencing is really just a self-limiting experience. So to talk about potential, and I think that's what coaches do. They have to say, we're constantly looking for potential in situations and other people. Well, you can take that face value or you can really get into this quantum conversation, these big, big principles. And so maybe the potential that people do not want to even talk about because it is psychotic is like Jimmy is, Jimmy's perspective is like, this is my reality. And perhaps when someone comes along and says, well, Jimmy, you think you're this dream figure, but really you're the dreamer of this entire experience. And you're like, nah, oh yeah, that's cool. Nah, but there's the same resistance. Like, like, I don't want to, because what, what the examples of some of these, these, let's call them saints or whatever, they keep telling you the same, they point the same direction. Like you are so much bigger than you give yourself credit for it. You just got to tap into that experience to know the truth. But you're not going to, it's not going to be a theoretical understanding. You're not going to have science prove it, yeah. right? It, 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 those are all, you know, based upon separation, the, you know, if let's use the term ego. But when you give yourself permission, however you do it, however you do it, and you transcend your little ego self, and you have the experience of something like, oh, man, like this is something like, okay, cool. This is, in, and then you come back, you're like, I want that again. How do I get there? And then just wanting it more, you're just like, oh, maybe I'm trying to control it too much. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think these are why these conversations are are, are uh, interesting. And and hopefully not a lot of your viewers are just like, dude, click off, click off. I don't want to hear this dude uh, anymore. Those, those are the people we don't want to listen to anyway. Yeah, so. I don't get it. But that that's <laughs> unfortunately, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, people that 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 um once you've once you kind of I, I think once you start to realize that you're successful you got things you have your life set up right perhaps in your waning years once you had enough experience and maybe it happens sooner than later you realize that that it isn't about worldly goods needs and stuff maybe and you're constantly tired sad feeling negative because you feel like there's something else that you're not tapping into and that's Exactly what we're talking about, right? It's just something else that we're so blind to. And yeah. it's a big, powerful, freaking, we do not want to hear it. <laughs> like that's deep resistance. And that's the stuff that I, I, I fortunately have, have fallen in love with. You're just like, yeah, Neil Anderson, I, I'm, I like to pretend I'm unreal, Neil. And just take that perspective. <laughs> that's the first time I've heard that. <laughs> I, I've been using. I, I do these unreal conversations just to to, uh, to to remind myself of like the potential is that we are trying to have conversations from one perspective. But if I can at least be the asshole and take the other perspective, the devil's advocate, and say like, "Well, maybe Jim, it's not real." And then you're like, "Well, that's I don't like this guy, but I kind of like him." <laughs> But I think that's what draws me to you is, is the challenge, is the challenge. 4%, baby. I just gave you a 400% challenge. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and, we're, and for, the, for those that are, that are listening, uh, we're totally going off script right now, but it's, it's been beautiful. It's been great. But for those, <laughs> and it's interesting, though, too, because um, 
was curious now because when you mentioned specifically, maybe, you know, some people might just turn this off, like whatever, but maybe for some of those people that maybe need a little bit of more uh, rigidity around like the ideas that we're talking about. And I know we're kind of ping ball, uh, ping pong balling, you know, from idea to idea. Um, Cause that's how conversations flow. Right. <laughs> but how would you define, like if you had to, right. I know. And I know this is a big question for, for us cause we're figuring, we're still figuring it out. Right. And, and I don't think we'll ever figure it out. We never know. But if we had to put like a definition on flow or the flow state experience, what might, like, what might that be? What kind of thoughts arise in, in your, in your mind? I know we've kind of already, gone through some of the feelings you might have you know in terms of like curiosity is stimulating for it um you know you're feeling optimized you're you're feeling that balance of 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 not putting in a lot of effort like it's almost like what you're doing feels effortless but there also needs to be that level of effort so that you know you are pursuing that challenge right those are some of the kind of the characteristics we've discussed i mean is there anything else that maybe we've missed that you feel like might be included in in that definition? No, yeah, I, I think it's a great uh, opportunity just to inject some different language, even though it's not gonna change much, it'll just maybe help to uh, give permission because that's exactly what I wanna do is just give permission for people to dabble a little differently and still be normal. You know, as much as like, um, I come across as normal, okay guys? So if you're sending your kids to North University of Lacrosse, like these aren't the yeah. daily conversations. <laughs> no, it's normal. Like, like we're normal people. Uh, but I, I, I attempt for my, for my uh, sake is to um, experience non-duality. That's the word, right? So I ask this from people who are flow state theorists and performance. Who, when they use the the, the word flow, I say, I, I, it, to me, you're describing a non-dualistic experience. And so non-duality, if you really want to like put some characteristics on top of that, is and I get this perspective from, um, let's say, the Vedanta Buddhism, okay? Uh, oh, sorry, Vedanta is Middle Eastern Hinduistic, uh, Hindu, as far as I know and understand. Buddhism, you get the perspective, even though it doesn't go all the way with it. And then A Course of Miracles is a more recent um, iteration based on the teachings of, believe it or not, Jesus Christ. And you're like, what? Crazy, right? This is a, so I, we won't go into a whole historical uh you know what i think is is another is, is, podcast for another, another day. Podcast. but it is a fascinating topic so non-duality if i could just give them overlays for yeah for sure. see it is that um when we're having a, uh non-dualism when we have duality this is the experience like you and i there's jimmy and then there's an outside world that you're perceiving there's two-ness there's two perspectives something to observe and the observer Okay, so what we then start to give permission to is going to semi-dualism, which is like, well, maybe it's not all Newtonian physics. Maybe it's not all cause and effect. Maybe there's some spooky action at a distance. You know, Einstein didn't want to touch it. Maybe there's, um, in terms of quantum mechanics and and quantum um, uh, understanding, is like two things can occupy the same space at the same time in different locations. What? Like, okay, well, let's start giving ourselves permission to say things aren't quite linear. Right. Maybe we are uh, experiencing time in reverse. Maybe we're just slowly remembering that this has already happened instead of it never happening before. Maybe. Right. So that's a sort of a non-dualistic, I mean, semi-dualistic. Non-dualism really starts to take the ego, which is the sense of separation out of it. So there's only oneness. So what you're left with in a non-dualistic experience is that none of it is real. And now that's not nihilism almost. You're just like, well, what, what do you mean none of it's real? I'm having experience that it's real. You're like, well, so here's the, the, the crazy part. That's really hard. It's a paradox is that if it's not real, why are we having experience? And then you start going down this rabbit hole of like, well, if you understand it's not real, then the question doesn't, the, the fact that you're questioning is still making it real. And that that's the real rabbit hole is like, the more you question why you're having this experience, the more you are making it real without ha- stepping into the awareness that it is unreal. And that's kind of the fickleness of that non-dualistic state. But if you really wanted the layman's terms on it, is imagine that you're dreaming at night. And do you know that you're dreaming? What are the people that you see in the dream? Are they real or are they part of you? Right? And now you start to understand an analogy. You're like, well, how do you wake yourself up in a dream? And you're like, okay, cool. Well, you might try to figure, become more aware of it. What happens when you lucid dream at night where you do start to realize you're dreaming? Well, things change. 
that I mean, I've had some lucid dreams. And you're just like, they change for the better. When you realize you're like, whoa, but it doesn't last very long. Like for me, I'm like, I'm lucid dreaming. Cool. I'm going to fly. And I'm like, whoa, fine. I'm flying in a dream. That's really cool. And then all of a sudden I forget I'm dreaming and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to fall. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. Right. So you can start seeing the parallels. Well, perhaps within a non-dualistic perspective, right? We look at teachings or examples and you start to get into more of a non-dualistic experience. Perhaps you do become more lucid and things change, line up. However, it, it, it differs. I don't know, right? Still trying to experience with that. And then um, perhaps just to make one more analogy beyond the flow state or a non-dualistic state is perhaps at some point, like uh, like a saints or the enlightened. Let's put the enlightened in there, right? The enlightened people, if they are, you know, if they do show up for people, um, they really do see through all of this as illusion, and they're so focused on source, the allness, that they are are more out than in. They just appear to be here, and that's why perhaps when we consider what an experienced people a person would show up like, we would hate them. We'd want to kill them. Because they just be like, I can't teach you anything. It's just, it's going to happen when it happens. There's nothing to teach, nothing here. And you're like, no, prove, <laughs> prove to me that I'm here. That's what I want to know. I'm just, I exist. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Whatever you do. <laughs> so, yeah, from gathering, <laughs> yeah, so from gathering that, you know, it, it really is like you said. And, and I would agree with, with some things that you said there in terms of like the oneness and feeling connected to everything around you and and it's like it, it really is a transcendent experience like you're not you're not necessarily aware of what's happening it's just happening right and and i think that that's what people feel at least from from what you were saying in terms of your athletic experience um during that time and i'm sure you've had some other experiences too where you're just you're you're being right your your being is there but you're not you're not trying too hard. Like you're not trying to put any, any definition on what you're doing and necessarily even how you're doing it. It's just, it's just happening. Right. And, yeah. and you don't, cause I think going back to some of the connection, uh, trying to connect to some of the ideas that you were saying there with dreaming, right. We wake up when we're aware that we're in a dream. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and with that being said, you know, when we're, when we're living, right. We're not even necessarily aware of of everything that we're doing, but the more that we become more aware of some of those things, that's when I feel like more of that that interference comes into play, right? Yeah. So there, there's that fine line of like of of being and self awareness, right? Where you where you need to find you know who like to an extent of like who am I, what am I doing, but also taking into account like that's not even necessarily everything that you encompass because once you again start to kind of you know you can be self-aware and you can and you can say this is who I am this is what I do but yet you put those limitations on yourself and you don't necessarily actually explore everything that you can be and yeah. I think the more that the more that we can kind of explore some of those opportunities that that create more of that experience of transcendence and just like going forward and, and just yeah. living and time and space yeah. regardless of outcome you know I think that's when we start to have that engagement because I also think of it too as like you kind of lose not only do you lose your sense of like being and self and ego but like you lose your sense of time and space a little bit because if you think about at least from when I've had some experiences, like I'll I'll admit there have been some times where I've been I've been playing basketball. There were times when I played for you when I just I don't even know like what I was feeling other than just like jubilation and just like wanting to continue pursuing and just like utmost like just yeah. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. Like, I felt like it's the, that's why Kotler titled his book like The Rise of Superman. Like I can even think of like. I can think of several games that I played for you, like specific, the one that sticks out in my mind the most is um, my senior year when we were playing Riviera at home uh, in the playoffs. We went down, I think it was like four nothing or something yeah. like that. Um, and then McCarthy scored a goal. And then I think Cashman hit me on a man up four to two. And then we ended up closing that gap and it was like five, four uh, by the end of the first quarter. And then I think there were a couple of other times where, um, where I actually ended up, I think there was that, I had two, I can specifically remember, 
because I remember it like, I, and this is the, the the key too, where it's like you you're so in that moment where it's like I am literally replaying it right now. Where Cashman, like I said, he threw me that pass, boom, gone, goal, right? Yeah. And then next later in that later in that game, Kennedy skip pass, catch it, boom, five hole. Because I had went I went top on on the first shot so i was like i gotta bring it low this time baby and then boom five hole right and then we're and then we're kind of we're kind of making our headway and then then jack dwyer plug and pull out right and yeah. I yeah. that yeah. ground ball right into the teeth of the defense yeah. i said nobody's nobody's letting me not score this <laughs> he comes he's coming like this with his cross check and I said, that ain't doing. And then I shot that thing right before him. Boom! I I eat the check. I don't even I don't even remember feeling the check because I knew the ball was going in, bounce yeah. it high, hit it low. Right? I didn't even feel any pain because I was in such a transcendent experience and almost like. And again, we're gonna use a word that some people might not like, but it was literally like a godlike experience. Like nothing could break me down. Yeah, Superman, right? Well, I think like so again, just hearing you espouse on the experience. Those are peak experiences. You know, this is what life's about. You'll, you'll have, you, look at the vividness of what, upon which you were able to recall that memory, mm. right? And often do we have that opportunity during your day where, you know, we don't never get to that state of awareness, right? And so that's right. the, really the conversation. Now, if it is so valuable, think about how we substitute for it. Drug use, alcoholism, people are trying to change their brain states or their experience in artificial creation ways. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just right. to understand like, so Maslow is, is how Chicksmahai, Kaufman, they're, they're looking at his pyramids, their, their hierarchy of needs. And here we are in the first, a first world country with, with most of our needs being met. So when we look at the top part of the scale, self-actualization, where I feel like most people are trying to um, understand what they're capable of doing. And that goes back to the 4% challenge skill ratio, like build your skills, acquire stuff, right? Like get position titles, however you might orchestrate your world to prove yourself right and what yeah. we're now talking is beyond the next step up that was never officially published by maslow about transcendence and talking about like well at some point you'll have enough of this world and enough yep. curiosity to say what else is beyond this world and that's the that's the psychotic conversations that nobody i sorry for using that word but that it really is no, a break but it's true though because kaufman even kaufman even says you need to you need to harness your inner narcissism in the dark side in order to unlock some of that potential because like you said you know it's not even at times it's not even a rabbit hole but it's a black hole and it kind of takes some of those darker um you know personality traits in order to really pursue that black hole because it, it's scary and people don't want to go down it yeah it, 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 i agree 100 percent. you you it, things start to have two meanings to use the the led zeppelin you know stairway to heaven metaphor like where where you know you're you, you start to see these signs pop up more and more uh through through your co normal course of living you're like oh the writing has always been on the wall about <laughs> you know you're like there is you know so like movies for me that would break through like of course the matrix right you're like oh yeah you know, Neo Anderson's thing, and I was like, dude, what is it telling me, right? And so, yeah, there's narcissism in that. You start to interpret things differently, um, you know, and uh, I forget what the, the Latin word is, ap apagogic, apagogic, where your pattern recognition becomes so, you become so aware of recognizing patterns that basically you're seeing or making up patterns as you go. And so you have to like have a little bit of self-doubt to be like, am I making shit up or is that really something that's, and so that's exactly what the conversation is, is like, yeah. what is reality? Do we make it up or is it is something separate? Is it duality? And again, we don't know. We don't know. I think the conversation that we're trying to have is the curiosity. Let's try to get there together and see what happens, right? Like, but let's not lose ourselves at the same time. Let's do this in a in a in a developmental healthy normal process because if we do take acid right and experience non-reality or a different state of reality artificially yeah. or force it if the challenge ratio wasn't there we we can really have that psychosis that complete break of reality or the complete break from i think the the, the normality of right and a joint, a communal experience. So, you know, again, I'm not a psychologist, man. I am not anything. I am just someone who is just like, hey, here's what I, here's what I think is cool. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and it's great that you brought that idea up too, because like you said, there's the hallucinogenic phase, whether it's like, you know, whether it's acid, LSD, mushroom, whatever it might be, but there's no, there's no like actual challenge in that other than maybe like getting over the fear of consuming said drug. Uh, but like with that said, it's, is that a true, is that a true transcendence? Like, I don't know, because it's like, you're not, are yeah. you actually challenging yourself? because you're viewing this now altered reality mm -hmm. i don't know but yeah i don't know either and and again i'm not going to take it a position i'm going to say like if it feels right you know go for it if it doesn't feel right then don't go for it i don't think it really matters but like if you do decide to like do stuff like that you can ex you can you can anticipate like a sense of transcendence but then eventually there's going to be limitations you run into and for people yeah. that are seeing that same Regardless of like whether you're consuming a substance or, or you're just trying to go about some new experience um, within your own life. But anyway, so I'm yeah. sorry. Well, no, no. The, I think I tie it back to the fickleness of the zone or, or flow states. So yeah. if we can relate that is, um, so let's say we do get a taste of transcendence and, and on the playing surface, right? So you're like, cool. I think I'm, I was in a flow state. I think I was really flowing. And so you can almost anticipate that even if you set the stage exactly the same the next time, you're going to run into a different fear barrier. It's still there's still going to be limitations and yeah. where do those limitations come from and how do they manifest so so just extrapolate that onto drug use and be like yeah it's because you had a great experience on ecstasy one time the next time you have ecstasy chances are you're going to run into a different fear barrier and you might not be ready to go through that fear barrier to get to that you know that that ecstasis you know which yeah ecstasis being like a break from self like a, a existential state right so i i do think like when we tie this back into human development and uh, raising awareness um, what I, I tend to reframe this whole experience as in my classroom, like I'm always a student. I'm always learning about like what, uh, what, what is this classroom telling me, right? So the student point of view, and I know that's hard because we're being asked to be teachers. Well, I think right. the best way that we teach is to like empathize as a student and be like, well, what is it that we're, what is the big message? What is the big learning opportunity? And the more we become aware and we, we see the patterns, I think like I come to a conclusion for myself that um, the patterns are telling me it's not necessarily about achieving more in this world. It's about trying to find something else allow that to come back into this world and then look at like what happens to this world this world this reality becomes different it becomes like fun playful for me and again yeah. not everybody's for it it's just like the reason why like oh coach can i just interview i'm like well just buckle up man i don't know like i don't i'm telling you <laughs> yeah, that's not that's why i said it, it it's always a conversation and uh it wasn't just gonna be it wasn't gonna be a sh i knew i knew i i kind of knew what i was getting into right i kind of knew uh you and i go back a few years but you know, it's yeah. it's nice that we've just been able to kind of bounce and we we like I said, off script, but like we're we're coming from an authentic place, like you said, of of just trying to to do our best and, and that's all that, that we can really do at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well let's keep the conversation going. And like I like to be able to do is um, um I gotta get out to practice for one, but yeah. two is you know when you do have an opportunity to like you know like uh, let's use the classic example forget everything we just said everybody forget it yeah. all it's not worth it, right don't let it let it all go right what'd be interesting is that 24 hours from now 48 hours from now see what sticks like what curiosity you have this is like that guy was an asshole i want to know why i was an asshole or maybe you're just like you know you said something about non-duality let me just write what is google non-duality right this is where i think it becomes um, a, a right for a second conversation or a further conversation right to say like yeah. well let's let's now take a little concept that i found interesting or or was sticky and let's just talk about it again and see if it, it i can step into that experience rather than having a being a intellectual con uh, concept the real opportunity is how do we experience what we're talking about? That's what everybody wants to know. Like, cool, yeah. you guys are talking about transcendence. Get me in it. <laughs> and maybe. And I, it's funny. I know, and I know you got to get out to practice. And I, I don't want to take any more of your time. Um, but right. I think that opens the door for, like you were saying, uh, the next conversation in terms of like how do we how do we prime? I know we were, you know, hoping to get there, but hey, it's totally fine. Sometimes, sometimes you don't always get there, but that's that again leaves the opportunity on the table for the next pursuit. So uh, yeah, yeah. I want to say, I just want to say thank you. It's always a pleasure. Um, it, it really is great to, to always converse with you and to those that listen, I really hope you get some takeaways, you know, kind of 
sift through the weeds a little bit if you have to at times, but there, there's definitely some really great nuggets from coach and maybe myself uh, that you can find from this. Coach, is there anything else you want to say before you head out to practice? Oh, uh, don't believe anything I say, please. All right. Thank you, coach. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode, folks. I really appreciate your support. I really hope that you got some really valuable information in terms of how to reach some of the optimal states that you might be looking to reach in your day in, day out lives. Coach clearly has a plethora of knowledge in this area, uh, so that's why I had him on. So if this is a conversation that really resonated with you and you feel like it might be of use for others, please feel free to share it with those people as well as subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you get your podcasts. You can also check us out at wardenswisdom.com where we have all of our podcast episodes as well as many blogs that also provide a lot of insight into different areas of how we can just be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. So thank you again for listening. I really appreciate everybody's support and please stay tuned for following episodes.